Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Wildcast. Um, we're joined again by Tom. We're just going to chat a few things about the uh, the latest news coming out of the, the world of the Wildcats. Tom, uh, how's things? Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. How are you? Yeah, all good. It seems uh, like a little bit of time since we last did a proper episode. I know we had the yeah. special uh, special with Steve over the news of Leeds and Swindon a couple of weeks ago, but uh, kind of recharged the battery since the end of the uh, the spring cup a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And there's a lot, we've got quite a lot to talk about as well. So yeah, yeah we have to uh, kind of jump straight into it really. So yeah, yeah the last, last few weeks, there's been quite a lot of news coming out of the Link Centre, to be honest. So let's, let's start at the top and at the title um, with the news of the Wildcats being uh, having announced the title sponsor and been rebranded the Bespoke Guardians Swindon Wildcats. Firstly, um, fantastic news for the club. So I've got a title sponsor on board. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, I think we were pretty much maybe one or two other teams, but we were pretty much the only team in the National League who didn't have a title sponsor. Um, it's not necessarily something that everyone loves. Um, you know, some I think some title sponsorships roll off the tongue better than others, but I think it's an important thing for the club, particularly, you know, in this day and age and after a, you know, a year of COVID and not having that income in place. I think it's really important and it's, yeah, as you say, it's a really, it's it's really positive news for the club, and yeah, hopefully it'll be a really kind of long and fruitful partnership. Yeah, I was thinking about it the other day. Like you said, pretty much, kind of feels like one of the only ones not to. I know people. I think possibly only Leeds. Yeah, Leeds point. was the one that I could. That was the only one that really came into my mind. So yeah. It's yeah. I know that. I know it's been kind of in the press and publicly for the last few years that Swindon have been trying to do. Um, I know there's mm-hmm. been behind the scenes there's been tons of work by Sally and everybody to to get it done and yeah it just like you said it, it's fantastic news in a in a I won't say post-pandemic world we're not quite there yet but uh as we come out of the the, the crazy year we've had like to get that uh commitment and uh partnership as well because it is it's, it's going to be them the club building with them and I know it's been there's been other stuff announced as a charity walk that Ryan and Aaron are doing as well with them and it, uh it should be positive going forward yeah, and I yeah, absolutely. It should be it should be a positive thing, as you say. There's already noticing initiatives um, between the club and um, the Spoke Guardians, but I think yeah, and we can't under, understate the importance of having that additional income stream at this time. I think it goes without saying that all clubs are going to be in that position at the moment, where finances are going to be tighter. You know, budgets are going to be tighter going into the new season, and. Yeah, I think it's just really important. It's, as I say, it's, it's that kind of one income stream that even before the pandemic, we didn't have other teams did. I know we were looking, as you say, we were looking for it and quite openly looking for it. So, yeah, I think it's a really positive thing that particularly now that it's happened. And I think it's also, you know, credit to the club that they were able to get that done and credit to the Bespoke Garden for putting their, you know, putting their neck out and taking on the sponsorship. You know, it's... um. You know, it's a big commitment to take on a title sponsorship of a sports team, particularly in an age where, you know, we are in a pandemic and businesses are probably looking at their balance sheets a bit differently than they were 18 months ago. So, yeah, it is really good. And, yeah, hopefully a positive a positive for the future of the club. Yeah, I hope so. And I think it will be a, a great working relationship as well. Like the when you look at the work that the like the Wildcats from the community and the charity work that the club have been doing over yeah. the years, and you look at what the Bespoke Guardians do as a business and an organisation, I think uh, I think Sally said it 
somewhere in an interview or in the quotes like it felt like the perfect partnership for the cats and i think it uh i think it is i think it's going to be a an exciting season with the working together with them and yeah now known as the uh the bespoke guardians swindon wildcats not just the wildcats yes but that was kind of the the start of a, a crazy week really so uh let's go into day two with uh a the trio of the first trio of returning players with uh the announcement that alongside uh player gm aaron nell we would have thomas malasinski rennie ma and sam bullis back those three players need absolutely no talking by you or me but you know let's just have a couple of minutes on what they bring yeah i, I think everyone listening knows pretty much everything that needs to be said about all those four players but you know they are four you know both unsurprising because as we know they're all on well Aaron is on a rolling contract as GM and head coach and player and um, obviously we knew that um, Rennie and Thomas and Bully were all on um, multi-year deals anyway so it's not really a surprise that those have been rolled into the new season you know Rennie is one of the if not the best netminder in the National League. He's certainly in that conversation. Um, I think the, the numbers say that themselves. And obviously, you know, we all know that Thomas and Aaron are two of the top forwards, top players in the league. You know, I think even even if perhaps we didn't see the best of Thomas for the whole of last season, he still ended up in, you know, the top 10 points scorers. He was right up there. You know, him and Aaron, we all know, have a great combination. Um, and yeah, and I think it's not just their goal scoring, but particularly particularly with Thomas, it's the defensive work as well. And I think that's something I noticed more last year than probably I have in previous seasons is just how good defensively he is, how well he reads the play, you know, how how he, how well he gets a stick in on on to break up, you know, kind of breakouts for the opposition. So yeah, they are they are obviously unexpected, uh, sorry, incredibly expected signings, but yeah, certainly not. Um, not bad ones in the slightest. No, and it kind of felt like, I know I spoke to Aaron about this, it it felt like the, almost not, not necessarily the spine of the team, but the guys, I think he said to me, that the guys you build your team around, you've got your captain, you've got your starting netminder, and your effectively number one import. Um, like, th- those are the, the crucial parts of the team, and it was just such a, a strong trio to kick off when yeah. you consider that you've got one of the best British forwards in the league as well as that as your GM coach. Yeah. I was gonna say I didn't even mention bully in that little in that little um, conversation there. But yeah, bully is the kind of he's the leader in that locker room. He's the voice, you know, he is obviously the captain. And we all know again what he brings on the ice. He's gonna stand up for his team. He's gonna score a few goals. You know, he was a almost 40 point Brit last year. You know, he he's gonna finish his checks. He's you know he's the kind of yeah and he's you know been here for over a decade now so it's he's never going to go anywhere else and but yeah, he's again such a huge part of that team and what he does on the ice the, the small things that sometimes go unnoticed are you know crucial for the team yeah and i think it's i, I try not to pump up bully's tires too much and <laughs> i know he'll love it but you took if bully decided uh this was the year to move on from swindon it wouldn't just be the team that suffered it's the whole organization yeah he does so much off the ice everything with so much off the ice on the ice you know, wherever, whenever you can guarantee it, Sam Bullis is the Wildcats and it would not be the right without him. So before we <laughs> talk not. too much about 
bully and uh, let his uh, head get a little bit too bigger than it needs to be. Let's let's move on to the uh, the day after. Uh, Stevie Whitfield uh, again, another player that's come through the ranks, crucial part of the team. We don't need to tell the Cats fans out there that are listening to this what Stevie brings, but I guess the the big piece of news there was. It should have been a year ago, but uh, Stevie gets his testimonial. Yeah, and that's, you know, really good news. Um, as you say, it was supposed to be a year ago. Um, obviously, events have um, meant, meant that couldn't happen. But yeah, he's he's certainly a player who deserves it. You know, at the end of the day, he's another guy. He's been here, well, over 10 years now. In, it will be his 10th kind of full season um, when we go into next year and... Yeah, he's he's a massive piece of the team. Um, it's noticeable. It was noticeable, I think, in the streaming series that he was absent, and it was just odd to have a defensive core um, without Stevie Whitfield. And I think that was noticeable when he came back into the onto the roster for the in Spring Cup. But yeah, I think it's it's obviously credit to him as a player and a person that he's getting that testimonial. And I think it's credit again to the club of how they've been able to keep a good core of players together because this is going to be the third testimonial we've had in kind of five, six years because obviously we had Lee Richardson and Sam Bullis um, first. So, you know, to be having those guys stay around for a long time is just a credit to the club and it shows, you know, how how well this core has, you know, stayed and developed in Swindon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, the nights that uh, Richie and Bully had were were awesome. Um, and I have no doubt that the Wits will put on just as much fun of an evening and get some of the names back that every Cats fan has in, enjoyed watching and might not have seen, well, probably since Bully's testimonial in some case, some cases. But yeah, he, he's such a linchpin of the, the, the defence. It, it, and I know there's some fans out there that may not rate Stevie as much as, as you and I do, but I think, like you said, it, it sums it up that you just notice him when he's not there. Sorry, you... You notice when he's not there, and when he is there, you don't notice him. And that is kind of the yeah. epitome of a defenseman. I was going to say, you only you, you notice Stevie Whitfield when he scores a goal and when he makes a mistake. And the rest of the time, he just does his job. And, you know, that's what exactly what, as you say, that's exactly what you need from a defenseman um, at this level. It's great to have, don't get me wrong, it's great to have offensive defensemen who can put up 20, 30, 20 goals a season, 50 points a season, but you still need those kind of three or four lads in your defence who just play the game, you know, they just they make that first pass and they take that, they can carry the puck out the zone and they can, you know, just do the, the small things right. And I think with, you've got guys like Stevie Whitfield, who is just that that player. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And then we move on to the last day of the of the, uh, the, the crazy week at the start of May. Um, Chris Jones, a player that you and I rate incredibly <laughs> highly. And it's not just because we're part of the uh, the Fison that uh, sponsor him, but uh, <laughs> CJ, uh, yeah, buzzing, buzzing to have him back. I was gonna say I don't think people really need to sit sit here and listen to us rave on and on about how good Chris Jones is because they probably have that on at least three or four episodes so far that we've had discussions about Chris Jones, but he is he is such a vital piece to this team. You know, he's he's crucial to the power play. You know, he's, he's he, he wins face-offs. He's, he, he's got a wicked shot from that from that um, face-off circle in, on the power play. And, yeah, he's just, he's a massive piece of the team. And he's probably of the kind of big-name guys. He's the one that tends to drift under the radar a little bit. 
he's not necessarily as flashy as Aaron or Malash or you know some of the other guys on the team. So yeah, he does go under the radar a little bit, but I think he is, you know, he's a crucial, he's a crucial, crucial piece. And again, he's another guy that when he's been out injured over the, a couple of points in the last couple of years, or when he's not maybe been in a great run of form, it's been no, it's been noticeable because the team does suffer from it. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, and we noticed it at the start of the uh, the Spring Cup when he did have those uh, yeah. a couple of weeks off, but he was he was missed. Um, yeah, say, when he came back in, the, um, the the line that we ended up with with him and Jordan Kelsall and Reed Sayers was one of, if not our best line going forwards in that Spring Cup, and CJ is a huge part of it, and the power play, again, was noticeably better when CJ was on it than when he wasn't, and that's not a not a knock at all to any of the boys who were other boys on that power play, but I think it's just CJ is goes under the radar, but he's so critical to the way that power play is set up because teams know how dangerous his shot is, but they can't entirely focus on that because you've still got Aaron and Malash who can put the puck in the net as well. So when you've got those three guys who all have excellent wrist shots in those positions, you can move the puck a lot easier because teams can't stack those stack stack their defensive kind of focus on one or two guys. Yeah, and I'm not going to focus this bit on just CJ, but you just look but, at the numbers and you look at the last four year we had in 1920. You had Aaron with the best part of a 50 goal season. You had CJ with the best part of a 30 goal season, and you had Thomas with the best part of a 30 goal season. So it doesn't take anyone to really realise you've got nearly a hundred goals. And those three guys, yeah. three players, and two of those are British, and it that is. That's huge. Perfect and huge, like you said, for, for what you want at, at this level. And I think, like you said, sometimes CJ goes a little bit under the radar and that's, you know what, fine by me because he's it just shows how good a player he is. And yeah, like you said, we probably every episode we rave about how much <laughs> CJ so let's, let's not waste too much more time uh, talking about it. Um, move to the week after, things kind of died down a little bit. And... Uh, Another one comes off the uh, the conveyor belt with the return of um, young Balint Pukosdi, uh, one that Cats fans may not have known too much about before the, uh, the COVID season. But Balint, uh, another player that we <laughs> we rave a lot about as well. I was going to say this is probably the one that we can talk about a bit more because we have learned a lot more about him. Because I think both of us, to be fair, didn't know an awful lot. We'd seen him maybe play a few games at under eighteen level a few years ago but we hadn't really seen how he developed or what he'd become. And yeah, I think he was maybe a bit of a pleasant surprise for, well, certainly for myself, I don't know about you, but he was a bit of a pleasant surprise during the kind of spring cup of how effective he was. He scored, he was one of the Cats' best players. He was one of the Cats' top scorers. I think he was, you know, better than a point a game. He scored seven goals, you know, over those you know, kind of um, 12 games. So, um. Yeah, it was just, yeah, he, he was really impressive. And obviously he then turned that into a spell with the Steelers in the Elite Series where he got into, you know, in the last eight or nine games and played in the in playoffs. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely one for the future, but he's also, I think, possibly more one for now than we even expected. And he did a massive, played a massive job. And again, when, when he got on that line with Aaron and Malash, he seemed to make, it seemed to click so well, like straight away. and it brought the best out of all three of them, I thought. Yeah, I, I completely wholeheartedly agree with you. And yeah, he scored seven goals, seven assists in the in the spring cup for played twelve games. So yeah, it was above 
just slightly above a point a game. And we spoke a year ago when um, it was announced that Ballant came in and I remember us getting words from Ryan Aldridge that said, you know, no one's going to work harder than Ballant did. And I think those words came true. He was an absolute ball of energy on the ice. (laughs) And and the other thing is, we we also talked about this kind of at the time. We, We didn't know how we would replace Eddie Bebris. Yeah. And there was a lot of, okay, we didn't have a full season to, to judge this on, but Eddie was a player that was around the point in the game, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. Balint came in and over his 12 games in the Spring Cup did that. And I'm not for one second trying to compare them like for like. But no. When you've got that kind of top level scoring that we've mentioned in Thomas, CJ and Aaron, you've got, if you can get a guy that scores around a point in the game from one of your lower lines, okay, to be fair to Balint, he was playing on the top line, but Again, it's just more depth, and it, it it's youth, and he's only going to get better. And he, the time he spent with the Steelers, that five weeks where he was on the ice, probably twice a day, if not at least more than that, yeah. maybe, he's only going to learn from that with those players he was playing with. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm sure he's going to go on to at some point in his career. You know, he's going to go on to bigger, be- bigger and better things. And hopefully, his time, you know, however long, hopefully it's more than a year. Hopefully it's more than. Hopefully we have him for kind of two, three, four years. That would be lovely. But, um. Hopefully his time at Swindon will kind of help him, you know, get there. But I think also, as you said, he was a ball of energy. He played, really played the physical side well and perhaps over overly well at times. You know, I think he got a couple of two plus tens over the um, spring cup for, you know, maybe slightly silly hits. But, you know, that's going to happen in a hockey game. You know, they weren't, they weren't particularly dirty plays or anything like that. It was just, you know, maybe slightly a bit of over-enthusiasm at times. But... Yeah, again, he, he, he fitted nicely on that line, kind of, as you say, replacing, replacing not necessarily replacing Eddie like for like, but certainly brought some kind of similarities. Um, and yeah, and he's, and he looked good around the net. He, you know, we all, it's the kind of, one of the classic hockey kind of catchphrases is to go to the net and good things happen. And quite a few of balanced goals were in that kind of, in those areas of the ice, you know, in the slot. So that's what you want to see from a young player. Yeah, and I don't know about you. We've we've had Ballant on the podcast, and from talking to him like I have a few times uh, over the last few months and stuff, I get the feeling as well that he is a player that will feed off a packed rink, a big game, and the fact that he's played the games he has behind closed doors. And okay, there's been millions, millions, but there's been hundreds of fans watching from home. When you've got a packed rink, I think he's a player that is really going to come out of his shell. And, potentially take his game to a higher level as well yeah and definitely and it's not to say he's the finished product he's obviously a young guy he's still rough around the edges there's still areas of his game that I'm sure Aaron will want him to improve on but yeah the definite the raw the raw talent is there and I think yeah over a full season it'll be really interesting to see how he develops but he could be a really big part of this team going forward yeah and that kind of brings us up to date with uh with where we are with news uh out of the bespoke guardians, Swindon Wildcats. That's nice. Um, overview can't really be unhappy with a signing start with those seven names, can you? No, well, I mean, we've gone with re signings early. You know, I don't, I mean, I imagine for a lot of teams, there'll be re signings more than new signings in most cases because the majority of teams aren't going to change massively, I wouldn't expect because of the COVID pandemic and, you know, a lot of guys are kind of want to honour the contracts they signed in, um, 19, in um, 1920 at the end of that season. But 
I mean, I'm sure there will be a few changes, you know, people's situations have changed, coaches have moved on and the like, so there will be a few, I'm sure, moves around, but I would imagine most teams will be kind of quite similar to how they would have been the September that we just had. Um, but yeah, I think certainly it's a good start. You know, you've brought a lot of the key guys back, particularly up front. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of work. There's a lot of holes defensively because we've only announced um, one defenseman. But yeah, certainly up front, you've got, you know, kind of four key guys that you would probably say you would want as your first four signings up front in Aaron Malash, um, Bully, or five signings, sorry, Bully, and um, CJ and Balance. So yeah, I think it's a really good start. You know, it's the kind of core of the team. And yeah, it's, it's a real, real and positive, positive um, group to build around. Yeah, they're the signings that. I use the phrase kind of instant win. No, no one's going to be yeah. disappointed when we resign no. any of those players. And and that's the thing. It, it doesn't necessarily make much of a conversation for you and me, but hey, that's, you know, they, we, we've got solid players. We've got a solid start there. That, uh, that, that's really good. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit here. Um, a few, a handful of other signings have been announced around the league. Any kind of that have jumped out at you? Um, I know Peter Rubin asked a couple basins as well, but anything yeah, so, on the page. Yeah, I mean, there's as you say, I think most teams have gone down the same route as we have of going kind of some of those bigger name re-signings first. Obviously, Peter we've had and Corey McEwen stands out as a key player there, an ex-Wildcat, but he's 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 really come on as a player and well, I think they're player of the season in Peterborough last year. So that's obviously a big signing there. Um up in Leeds, you've got Sam Gospel and Kieran Brown, the two big big signings, and Kieran Brown particularly. You know, he showed his how good he was in the, for Telford in the um, spring series, and I know he's obviously never not yet made his debut for um, Leeds because of um, COVID. But you know, that will be a big big signing for them. I, I think, particularly with um, you know, obviously having moved over from Sheffield. Um, or, but yeah, he. he He's got a point to prove, I think, because there is there was negativity around him because of stuff that happened, um, which we won't get into on this this podcast, and it's not our place. But see stuff that happened with him in Nottingham before the Elite Series, and he's going to be a player with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's going to have a point to prove, and he's going to want to show, you know, teams that have maybe let him go that they were wrong to do so. And I think Leeds are going to have a really hungry but also incredibly talented young player there. And yeah, he's going to be that's you know, a standout signing for me. And yeah, and Basingstoke have done the same. They've brought back some, you know, kind of key players. You know, I saw they brought back Elliot Dewey the other day. Obviously, he's their captain and leader, and they've made a couple of other signings as well. So yeah, there's certainly kind of they again Basingstoke went with the netminding duo. You know, um, Alex Messam and Dan Weller Evans, and obviously again popular signings, but solid pieces of that, that team. So yeah, I think we'll start to see more signings to see kind of next few weeks kind of roll on. I know, uh, I think I saw Raiders are planning to start announcing players as well soon. They've obviously announced their coach um, is coming back in Sean Easton. So I suppose, and I suppose this will roll on nicely to another topic that we want to talk about, but Leeds also made a big signing in their head coach the other day. Yes, uh, we were going to talk about uh, Dave Whistle, so this is the right time to do so. Um Elite League, former Elite League coach, former Super League coach, former Team GB coach. That's not a bad pickup for Stephen Leeds. No, it's um, he's got a hell of a resume, and I don't think 
necessarily he would have been a guy that people considered as an option when Steve took over in Leeds and um, said he was putting out for a new new coach um, in the team. I don't think he was a name that kind of jumped to the forefront of people's minds, but yeah, I mean it's a huge it's a huge pickup on name recognition alone. I mean. Dave Whistle is just a massive name and kind of the history of British ice hockey. Um, as you say, elite league, GB, super league coach. Um, obviously, he hasn't been in the UK for a fair few years now. I think the last time he coached in the UK was a spell in 20, I want to say 2014, 2015. I yeah. haven't got it, got it on the top of my head, but um, um, so that's obviously the one question I would have is whether or not, you know, obviously the game has changed in the UK, but equally he's been coaching um, in Canada with, I believe, Okanagan. So there's a bit of a link there with, you know, Steve and Stephen Okanagan, Andy Oaks at Okanagan will have been in contact, I'm sure, regarding, you know, uh, regarding Dave Whistle. So yeah, it's a huge coach and it's only going to help recruitment-wise. Um, and obviously, you know, we know that Jackson Whistle and Brandon Whistle are both playing in the UK and were last year. So I think Dave mentioned it in one of his um, press releases, in one of his interviews with the um, local news up there that, you know, obviously he's been paying attention to hockey because his son in the UK because his sons were over here. So it's something that he's been looking at for a while. And, you know, he's kept up with the game. He's watched, the, he's kind of watched the games on, on, on the streams and stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's an, um, certainly a big name and he certainly you know got the um, resume to to um, take leads forward yeah absolutely and i think steve had said uh when he kind of first took over and he said it on this podcast in the last episode actually that you know leads is it's not about building a team it's about building a club in a yeah. big town in a big city and he's done it in swindon uh, and he's had the right people at the right time to do it and i think with dave whistle that is the perfect person he's going to have the, the gm and head coach role and he can build a hockey club he's got the experience with the elite league the super league and gb of coaching pro players uh and pro players from many different backgrounds and british players mm. and he's also recently with the okanagan stuff been coaching juniors and youth hockey and leads with the new rink being open i've got the opportunity to market a, a new junior system i don't know what they had in place up in 1920 i to be honest with you, I didn't really follow it all that. No, no, it was the Chiefs then, and but yeah, I think he's the perfect guy. If you'd looked at a resume, the more whilst it was a shock to pretty much probably everybody in British hockey, yeah. it yeah. makes so much sense when you look at what Steve wanted, the what his vision for for Leeds is, and yeah, he's got someone that's pretty much been there and done it all in British hockey, and I think. And what a, what a night, uh, announcement for the, the National League, I think, to get a coach of that calibre. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge coup for the, the yeah. club, but also, yeah, for the league to have guys like Dave Whistle being even interested in coming back to the UK to coach at this level. It's definitely a sign that, yeah, the league is currently in a positive position. Yeah, and it was it was kind of said on a, on social media in a few places that, that Dave Whistle probably could have done a job at pretty much any club in the Elite League. Uh, to be honest, and to get him at the National League is going to uh, ruffle a few feathers a little mm. bit, and I think it just adds to the uh, the excitement. I'm looking forward to September. Mm, definitely. Uh, speaking of excitement, um, this weekend, 
uh, Team GB. They're back in action in the World Championships. We uh, we said we'd uh, we'd mention it a bit. Um, it may have gone under the radar a little bit. The, the NHL playoffs have started this week, but yeah, the World Championships kick off this weekend, and Team GB have a small opening night match against <laughs> Russia. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, it's yeah, as you say, just a small small opening night um, matchup. No chat, no no real challenge there. You know, Russia only have you know a team full of KHL and NHL stars and even without you know some of the big names you know they don't have you know your Alex Ovechkins or whoever they still have a team full of legitimate big names and it's going to be a hell of a challenge once again for GB um obviously they've not got the Canadians or the Americans this time but you've still got Russia Sweden are in the group I can't remember off the top of my head Slovakia are in the group Denmark Belarus and there's one other team I forgot Switzerland there we go. That's that's the um, there may be another. I can't remember. But anyway, you've certainly got. It's going to be a tough group. And again, the challenge for GB will be trying to get a win or two wins, maybe. And um, but yeah, and it's going to be tough. And it's going to be difficult because a lot of the team haven't have a foot haven't had a full season. You know, there's only one or two other guys. Only really Mark Richardson and a couple of others who played before the Elite Series. Um. They're not. They're not got their coach and Pete Russell, and for understandably good reasons. Obviously, Pete is spending some time with his family after spending the last year coaching in Germany, and I think everyone in British hockey can agree that is a absolutely correct decision for him because family has to come first. But yeah, it's going to be a really tough challenge. The, the team are in good hands with Adam Keith and Corey Nielsen coaching them. Like I say, I don't think I don't think anyone thinks we're going to go out and beat Russia. On, at the weekend, I think if we did, it would be one of the biggest shocks in the history of ice hockey. You know, you're looking up there, we're probably the miracle of whatever, whenever it was, the um, miracle game. Of the and if we beat Russia, there's going to be a Disney film. Yeah, yeah, there should be. You know, get um, yeah, Adam Adam Keith and Corey Nielsen would be the new new Herb Brooks. But <laughs> no, um, in all seriousness, in all seriousness. There are games I think that GB will be targeting this time because there are less NHL players in because of the travel restrictions back from Canada and North America. So there are teams who are perhaps weaker than they were. I think Denmark, who absolutely destroyed us at the last World Championships, and that's probably the most disappointing game for GB as a team because we thought it was one that we might be able to keep close and they tore us apart. Denmark don't have all their big names. Slovakia don't seem to have a full roster this time around. So those two, Belarus, have a lot of KHL guys, including a British-born netminder, which is always interesting, in the shape of Danny Taylor. I'm, I know Belarus have some um, dual nats in there. But yeah, I think there's going to be two or three games they target there. I think there's obviously be the kind of two or three as well that you look at and say, you know, it's just going to be a game where you've got to put your best and see what happens. But yeah, I'm yeah, sure. We'll give the boys three games that kind of jump off the page there when you say the three games that Team GB are going to be. Let's just do our best and see what happens. You know, you've got Russia, Sweden, and the Czech Republic. I mean, those yes. when it comes to the hockey nations, uh, have got some serious talent and serious yeah, and yeah, exactly. They've got like I say, Russia, particularly with Canada, not maybe having their strongest team out. I, I looked at the Canadian roster the other day. 
um, and they've got a lot of kind of younger guys, college players and stuff in there, as well as their usual NHL players, same with America. Russia might go into this tournament as the favourites because even their KHL guys are mostly guys with some level of NHL experience. So they've probably got the most top-level experience team. So that's going to be a real tough start for GB. But yeah, yeah, I think if it didn't get tougher, it's also game two for Russia, so they would have had a game to gel as well. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it out yeah. there. They are playing to check I mean, the public on Friday afternoon. But, equ- but equally... I think Britain have got to look at this as a learning experience. There is no relegation this year, so there's no pressure. You know, they can go out there and just go for it. It's not like last year where we're thinking, you know, worrying about goal difference and where we're going to get those points to stay up from. And they are, you know, I think you'll see maybe maybe a bit more opportunity for Jackson Whistle in this tournament. I think Ben Bounds still goes in as your number one, but I think we'll see Jackson Whistle get some game time, which he didn't perhaps get last time, so he gets some starts. I think particularly, I think I saw the other day that the, the way the schedules worked out is GB ever have two or three back-to-back games as well because it's shortened scheduled. So I think you're going to have to look at, you know, playing Jackson from a couple of starts. And to be fair, he earned that in the Elite Series where he performed really well for Nottingham. But I think, you know, Boundy's experience probably still keeps him as your number one. But I think Whistle will get some game time. And you've got some new, new kind of faces in there. And um, you've got Sam Jones, obviously, we love Sam Jones, and he's making his his um, his debut for GB. Kieran Long, another ex Wildcat, is in there making his debut. So, yeah, it's going to be it, it's exciting um, for the for, for GB. And yeah, I think they're just going to have to go out there and give it their all, and I know we'll all be behind them, backing them. And I mean, another shout out is to another ex Wildcat, Joe Hazelzone, who while not while not being in the squad was um, specifically name dropped as basically being the next guy up if anyone got injured because. Um, yeah, which is a huge credit for a guy who's still very young and obviously going to have a huge career ahead of him. Yeah, I think you've, you've absolutely summed that all up perfectly. It's going to be a tough 10 days for Team GB, but it's one that they're going to absolutely love. They're going to do everything they possibly can to, to be honest with you, not finish bottom of the group. Um, I mean, there is no relegation this year, so there's no worry if they did, but they're going to have learned a hell of a lot from... 24 months ago when we when we did this in wherever it was I can't remember uh, Slovakia it, it, you know it, they're going to have learned from that and the majority and yeah. I guess the good thing is the majority of the team that have gone this year were there two years ago in that, yeah. in that game against France and let's see what happens yeah and I mean I think the other the other kind of thing I would say is yes this is going to be tough this is or two things I said one this is probably going to be tougher not to finish bottom than last time we're probably less prepared and I would argue that Belarus probably on paper looks stronger than the French team that we beat did. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't. As you say, we've got that experience to draw on. And if there's one thing we've seen from this GB team over the last kind of three, four years is we know that they're not going to give up when times get tough. Um, and we also have, I know it's not such a secret weapon anymore, but you're going to have Liam Kirk is going to have a huge point to prove having been robbed of his last season in Peterborough in the OHL. And, you know, robbed of that opportunity to kind of show Arizona, his NHL club, what he can do and try and earn that contract with them. So he's going to have a real point to prove going up against, you know, top quality world championship opposition. And he's come on so much over the last couple of years. We knew he was a talented kid, but he's come on massively with his time in the OHL. And I think he's going to have a, it's going to be a big tournament for him if he can score a couple of goals and, you know, get get noticed again that that will 
doing huge, huge, huge um, amount for his future career. So I think you're going to have a really motivated Liam Kirk, which is only going to be really, which is only going to be a huge positive for um, for, for the GB squad. Absolutely, and that kind of brings us, I think, nicely to towards the end of this episode. So if, yeah. if you weren't aware that Team, Team GB were in action uh, this weekend, it's according to the IIH app. IIHF app that I've got in front of me in <laughs> Saturday 2.15 and every single GB game is among the 25 that are available live on free sports uh, which is awesome for hockey yeah, and it's superb uh, be on there as well as all the other games in the World Championships they've got um, but yeah you can catch all, all seven of uh, GB's games and who knows if there's a big miracle maybe more of Team GB's games <laughs> let's, let's see what happens um, let's, keep, let's keep positive let's keep the faith Exactly. Uh, it, it's the way everything else has gone this year. Who knows what's going to happen? Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, that kind of brings us to the end. I'm sure we'll be back in a week or so's time with probably more news uh, out of the Cats, uh, more news out of the world of, of British hockey. But for now, uh, any final thoughts from yourself, Tom? Yeah, just, um, yeah, let's all you know, stay safe. I hope everyone's staying well. And yeah, at least we've got you know some GB hockey to look forward to over the next kind of couple of weeks. That's gonna that's gonna be really good to watch, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully you know some more some more memories can happen after you know the last few GB tournaments, which have um, certainly go down long in the memory. So yeah, let's all look forward to that, and fingers crossed for the boys. Yeah, absolutely. Best best of luck uh, to Team GB. We'll be uh, we'll definitely be tuning in, uh, and yeah, like Tom said, I hope everyone out there still staying staying safe in the. Uh, the world of covid and obviously if your option if you've got the opportunity get the vaccine as well i'm going to kind of mm, that as well but, um yeah. yeah uh that's it for myself so until next time take care stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode of the wildcast <laughs>